Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into another Friday edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer, and it's a fr another Friday guest we have here. Today I have a, one of my fantasy football gurus, uh, the football therapist, a.k.a. my friend Patrick Sweeney, one of my Seton Hall pals from back in the day. And it's great to have him on. Pat, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Very excited to be here, and I'm loving what you're doing so far with the podcast. Uh, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. It's a lots of fun having a couple of my friends on. We just talk sports, and today we're going to be talking about some NFL. I know that's your expertise. I can see that you had your Patriots uh, shirt on before we got started. He's, I think he's got a little bit of a biased take that we're going to have right now, but we're going to jump into Thursday Night Football. Last night, the Los Angeles Rams absolutely obliterated the New England Patriots 24 to 3 the game honestly was not even closer as the score indicated it was mm -hmm. a complete dominant performance by the Los Angeles Rams rookie Cam Akers from Florida State had his coming out party 171 yards on the ground the Rams also had a pick six during the game Cam Newton struggled immensely the t offense never really got going crucial turnovers on parts of the field and also with actually Cam Newton being benched late in that game uh, for Jared Stidham. Pat, I'm going to open the floor to you. What did you see last night from your New England Patriots in that Los Angeles Rams matchup? Well, I think one of the things that I saw was the same thing we've seen all year is that we don't have an offense that can move the ball down the field. And if we get behind, we struggle too much to come back. I mean – some of the stats that you look at that I saw from it, they were only averaging about 3.9 yards per pass attempt, and you can't throw the ball only three yards every single time. Uh, I think one of the things that I saw going into this year was the same thing we had last year was lack of weapons, and we have a quarterback now who can't throw the ball downfield, and it just is a recipe for disaster when versing these teams that have good defenses like the Los Angeles Rams. Couldn't agree more, and I think uh, more than anything, it's just a, a repetition of last year, and it's I think it showcases how well the Patriots and Tom Brady actually played to have you guys in a position to be competitive last year. Because I, I think personally, from what I've seen, you guys are now six and seven. That wild card spot looks very far away. You have three divisional games up next with Buffalo, Miami, the Jets. I know the Jets is a bye, but still you have two teams there that are sitting ahead of you. It's going to be very difficult. I know Bill Belichick came out and said Cam Newton's my quarterback, and I think he has to because I think Cam Newton is the best option for them to win with his uh, multi-assets and uh, being able to run and pass. I mean, his passing ability has never been good throughout his career. I think only his MVP season and maybe before he got injured, I think it was either 2018, I believe, that he was actually throwing almost to a 67%, 70% clip with his completion percentage. He's always been a 59%, low 60% thrower of the football. And I think people have not taken that into account with Cam, that he is a player that needs to be able to run and throw, and he, his creativity is what allows them to be successful. With like Same with like Lamar Jackson, for instance, as well as like, I mean, Kyler Murray's immensely a better thrower of the football, but the versatility of being able to run makes mm -hmm. those three quarterbacks difficult to defend. And I think his lack of running ability at the moment and the lack of separation that they get offensively 
creates an initiative for them to struggle on the offense side of the ball. And then on defense, you had nine players opt out. You were already, you already had, you were already in a very difficult spot. So. Yeah. Defensively. One of the things that I noticed with the Patriots is we cannot get off blocks up front. And if there is a good rushing team, we struggle. Our pass defense played well. I mean, I know that the Rams had a passing touchdown in the Cooper Cup, but statistically, we held golf for most of the game. It's just where we struggle is when teams are able to pound the rock, and it's been time and time again, dating back to that Tennessee Titans victory where Derrick Henry almost had 200 yards. We just can't stop good run off, rush offenses, and we can't solely rely on our pass defense, and that's really what killed us defensively last night. Absolutely. And for the, on the Rams side, they looked like a team that was on a vengeance at, from that Super Bowl loss that took place mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. They played with a certain style, competitiveness, and they just took it to the New England Patriots. They let out all that rage from that Super Bowl loss, it looked yeah. like, and let it out on them as a little payback. And I think, I mean, Sean McVay, he just knows how to handle Jared Goff correctly. You don't have to, you don't, he doesn't have to throw the ball too much. Use the motion, use the play action. And you just, I don't, I wouldn't say almost like managing Jared Goff. Actually, managing kind of sounds like the correct word. I don't see Jared Goff as a game manager, but I think Sean McVay manages Jared Goff in a way for him to be successful and for the LA Rams to be successful. And I think right now the LA Rams have to be within those top three teams in the NFC to be able to take that, uh, NFC crown and play in the Super Bowl. What do you think? I honestly agree exactly with what you said. I think a lot of people can't put it in that terms, but I think you described it correctly. Uh, Sean McVay manages Jared Goff. We saw in the game yesterday, the Rams, they got up a little bit early. Then Jared Goff had that bad pass where he threw it behind Robert Woods and the defender was able to intercept him. And then after that game, they didn't really throw as much as they were in those early stages. They kind of leaned on the run. They leaned on their defense. And they were able to really take control of that game after that pick six with the Rams uh, when we were driving. But I think uh, definitely moving forward, if Jared Goff can limit his mistakes, if they could limit the pressure that they get on Jared Goff, the offensive line can stand up. And if the defense can continue doing what they're doing, uh, pass rush, limit big plays. This Rams team definitely has a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Without a doubt. And that this Rams defense is absolutely dominant at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, handling teams, I think the only real issue was that Miami game where they gave a bunch of points. That Niners game was a total trap game. So I think people don't really take that into account where the Niners really kind of exploited them a little bit. That Miami game, you also have to take into account. Jared Goff turned the ball over four times. Uh, they had a special teams touchdown for Miami. That wasn't all on the Rams' defense. They held them in check, relatively speaking. But the offense and special teams put them in horrible positions in that Miami game. And I think the points per game really was ex- uh, a, really like a almost an outlier there in that retrospect. Yeah. And I you think – to... oh, Go ahead. No, go ahead. Remember, Brian Flores was our defensive coach when he limited the Rams – in that Super Bowl. So he already had a general knowledge of that offense and the scheme and tendencies that could work against Jared Goff. Yeah, without a doubt. Brian Flores is doing a great job in Miami. I mean, that just hats off to him. 
But again, back to the Rams, real contenders, and they've got a great chance to be that NFC representative. Right now, personally, other, uh, they're definitely probably either the second or third best contender. Probably by, I would probably put them behind New Orleans and Green Bay at the moment. But uh, you have the argument that they're going to be better than Green Bay. New Orleans is easily the front runner in the NFC, but I think it's good to know. But we're going to transition now into what your, what your expertise is, a little fantasy football. I did set up a little bit of a fantasy rapid fire for you here. I think it's going to be a little unique to see what your, what your different plays are that I'm going to be uh, throwing at you. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. Um, so we have, we're, I'm, I'm going to give you two or three names, and you're going to give me the person and then why you think that person's going to have a better weekend, all right? Definitely. So, all right, here we go. So PPR League, running back two, you either have Naheem Hines, Devontae Booker, and James White. Who are you taking? Well, I personally would take Naheem Hines. Uh, I think going against the Raiders, he's going to have to pass a little bit uh, this Colts offense. He's been very good getting his touches. He averages around 10 to 15 touches per game. Most of them are targets. He's mostly used in the passing game where Jonathan Taylor gets more of the rushing attempts. So in a PPR league, if he gets five to six targets, potentially four to five catches, he could score. I think that he would be the big play this week. Uh, Devontae Booker, I don't really trust him after last week. Going against the Jets, it was a good game script, but he didn't really do much. So I would lean Hines out of those three. All right, excellent. Next one, you ready? So Gus Edwards, Jamal Williams, and Raheem Mostert. Pick two out of the three. Well, first I would pick Mostert. I think that he could have a really big bounce back week. I know that he kind of struggled last week with just touches, but he's the lead guy in San Francisco. And if that running game is to get going, he's going to have to have that explosive playmaking ability. And then I would probably lean Jamal Williams. So him and Aaron Jones, that backfield is kind of tricky. Some weeks, Jamal Williams leads in touches. Other weeks, Aaron Jones leads in touches. Two weeks ago, they actually split. They had 18 touches and 17 touches. So I would lean him just because of the volume he could potentially be getting. Plus, that offense is just as explosive as we talked about before. So I would lean Jamal Williams there. Sweet. Next one. All right, flex, flex and a .5 PPR. Kareem Hunt or Chase Claypool? Oh, that's a tough one. I think Claypool, for me, is really a big start. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, his volume has diminished. But this is going to be a game where the Steelers, they're going to have to throw a lot, I think. They're going to have to move the ball down the field. And he has a lot of big playability. Kareem Hunt, he's still getting his touches, but he hasn't been as efficient with Nick Chubb coming back. It's kind of been the Nick Chubb show over there in Cleveland. And then Kareem's Hunt numbers have dipped dramatically. So if it was a half-point PPR, I would lean Claypool. Hopefully he gets in the end zone and has a really good week at the flex position. Okay, and my last one I have for you, it's a running back, uh, RB2. Mm-hmm. And the, from what I've got from the guy, the guy is really depleted on the running back. So he's got Le'Veon Bell, Duke Johnson, or I'm trying to think, uh, Devin Singletary, sorry, those three. So A little, little rough. But Yeah, it's a little rough. Le'Veon Bell, I can't trust just because the volume really isn't there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if he's healthy, he's the guy. They sat him last week even though he was active, but I think he resumes that lead role. Uh, I think Duke Johnson, he's probably going to have the lead role this week. 
he's interesting in the fact that if he gets the volume, he could be decent. But that rushing attack really isn't good. They're last in the league in rushing. So his production is mostly volume-based. So I would actually lean Devin Singletary. So last week, Zach Moss, he had a critical fumble, and he kind of got benched. I think Devin Singletary can be a really big force in the passing game. I think they're going to have to use him in the screens. So I would go Devin Singletary there, especially with the Zach Moss benching, as he could potentially get more carries in that Buffalo Bills offense. Well, there you have it, a little fantasy football rapid fire. This was a brand new topic, so I, I hope you enjoyed that. If you were listening, especially that last one was actually my team that I just threw out there. So I'm starting – sounds like I'm starting uh, Devin Singletary this week. I, I slipped that one in for myself, a little personal. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm in a load of hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's tough this year with the running back position because there were so many injuries – a lot of guys haven't really producing there at the top. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully uh, Devin Singletary comes out firing because I may be playing him in a league or two this week as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so that's the our little segment there, fantasy football, rapid fire with the football therapist. Now we're going to transition into uh, what have our, been our biggest NFL takeaways so far this season. And for me, it's the Foos goal that is the Las Vegas Raiders. They have really just been they're lightning in a bottle one week against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I've, I've jumped on the bandwagon. I thought they were going to be the team that was going to be the toughest out for them, and then they can't, they barely squeaked by the Jets where they should have lost if uh, Greg Williams doesn't go cover zero. But, I mean, the secondary didn't cover him on the two plays before that, so they probably would have lost either way. And then um, – and they got bludgeoned the week before. I can't remember who they played uh, off the top of my head. It was not a quality opponent, though. Um, but uh, the Foos goal that is the Las Vegas Raiders, I mean, John Gruden, I love you, man. You're a great coach, and you really know the game of football. But I think the your team is starting to willy willow out and show their true identity that you're, that you're not going to actually make the playoffs like I thought you would be. So I think the Las Vegas Raiders are actually going to look out on the outside looking in, and they have been real foos gold for me. Uh, that's my first takeaway. Pat, what do you got? So one of the things I was really looking at this season is these young quarterbacks, and I think that this league is really gearing towards those young quarterbacks, especially this year. Justin Herbert, he's having a terrific rookie season. Joe Burrow, before he got hurt, was having a really good season. Tua's been looking good. Kyler Murray, he's had his moments of greatness. I think this league is really transitioning into that younger wave of quarterbacks overtaking most of these older guys. And I think especially the topic we're going to be talking about a little bit later with the draft class coming up, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys continue to have success over the next few years, especially like a guy like Josh Allen. This is year three. I think he's taking a huge step forward. So the development of the younger guys is really coming on sooner than later uh, for these rookies and these younger guys. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think you've really seen these young quarterbacks really take on the challenge of the NFL. Like Herbert, you didn't think he was going to probably play at all this season. And then Tyrod Taylor has that huge unfortunate accident that went on with his uh, shot and ended up collapsing his lung. And now he really has just taken over the LA Chargers and taken over that team. And you have Tua, who's been a little bit more of a game manager, but you, he took on the challenge of his L.A. Rams being his first career start. And 
keeping Miami in a, in a winning ways right now to have a chance to sneak into the playoffs, as well as you have Joe Burrow, who was an absolute stud for Cincinnati until his unfortunate injury. He was playing lights out. And then you also you can't even account for the other young quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's still extremely young. Kyler yeah. Murray's extremely young. You're seeing a lot of teams really build around their quarterbacks. Unlike any other, you're seeing them actually take in the quarterback skill sets and really applying them, which mm-hmm. I really love here, especially like I think Baltimore's kind of shied away from that recently, in my opinion. So I think that's my biggest take. My next takeaway is that Baltimore really just needs to let Lamar Jackson loose. He is not going to be a – we talked about this earlier with Cam Newton. He's not going to be a quarterback that drops back 30 times a game and throws the ball over the yard. That's not him. Mm-hmm. And I found this – there was a statistic that was released the other day. I believe he's 17-0 and when he throws the ball 25 times or less. Hello? Mm-hmm. Run the ball and let Lamar Jackson be an athlete that we know he is. He is the most dynamic player on the field at all times. You've seen him make people look absolutely silly, and they become memes the next within minutes. So that's my next thing. The offensive coordinator for Baltimore. I can't. Greg Roman. That's who it is. Thank you. Came to me. Greg Roman. Let Lamar Jackson eat. That's for the rest of the season. That's my biggest takeaway so far. You've hindered him to be the person that he is. Let him be great and let him be the Heisman Trophy winner and the MVP that he is. All right. That's my next. That's it's not much of a t- my takeaway is that he, Greg Marone has hint has restricted Lamar Jackson. That's my biggest takeaway. But I, mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm just yelling at Greg Roman. Let him be him. <laughs> a little bit of a rant. I hear you right now. <laughs> No, I definitely agree with you with that. Um, one of the next ones that I had is that we were talking about the NFC before, and I had this written down. The New York Giants, to me, are one of the more dangerous teams potentially in the playoffs. Now, I know people are going to hate on this, but if you look at the way that they play, they lean on that run game. They lean on their defense. Their defense has been extraordinary. They beat Seattle on the road. Now, I know Seattle may have had a bad game, but – They beat Seattle on the road. Earlier in the year, they came close with the L.A. Rams. They were highly competitive in that game on the road. And then they almost beat Tampa Bay at home in that Monday night game where they had that pass interference call. People were upset. Those are three teams that are fighting potentially for that fifth wild card spot. If the Giants get into the playoffs and they are at home and that defense is healthy, Daniel Jones is healthy, potentially they could – squeaking an upset, and then anything can happen from there. I fully believe that this playoffs is going to be really interesting with no fans. There's no home field advantage. Obviously, the Chiefs are the team to beat. But if one of these teams can get hot in this NFC East, especially the Giants with the way they play defensively, I think that they could potentially be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Absolutely. And then my last takeaway is Bruce Arians and Tom Brady is not working. Mm-hmm. Break it up, especially if you don't – you have to make the NFC Championship game now as a minimum for them to stay together. That's now the minimum. If they don't get there, one of them's going to be gone. And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Bruce Arians because Tom Brady's got the rings, Bruce Arians doesn't in comparison. Mm-hmm. And I know people are going to ridicule Tom Brady as he should be. He's the one that's really put these acquisitions together, A.B., Leonard Fournette, Gronk. He's the one that's brought him in and recruited him. He kind of went – Bruce Arians 
admittedly said he didn't want he wasn't going to sign AB at the beginning of the season. So Tom Brady's kind of went up above and beyond him, and Bruce Harriman is holding him accountable, which is absolutely necessary. But if they don't make the NFC Championship, it's not working right now. You can tell that they're coming off a bye. We're going to see this weekend whether they're going to whether they figure some stuff out. But if they don't make the NFC Championship, my next that's going to be my takeaway. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are not working, and they will not be together next season. Mm-hmm. That's a very good one. Uh, my list one that I have, this one kind of isn't really a takeaway, but to me, in my opinion, I think Aaron Rodgers should be the MVP of this season. I know Mahomes has the stats. I know Mahomes has looked terrific. And I know Mahomes probably is going to win it. But when you look at what the Packers do and what Aaron Rodgers has done for this team, I've watched that Philadelphia game. He made many big throws that a lot of quarterbacks can't make. Time and time again this season, he has been making those big throws down the field. He's been making those dimes. And in terms of value to his team, I think he's a little bit more valuable to his team than Patrick Mahomes is to the Chiefs right now. Absolutely. I, I really I, I like that one. I think Aaron Rodgers has proven that mm-hmm. he, has, he has to be on another level for the Packers to be competitive. Yeah. To be a real contender. Kansas City has all the weapons in the world. And they've they all most of them take budget uh, pay cuts so they can all stick together. Mm-hmm. And they haven't really had to pay that max contract now. But now you have Patrick Mahomes getting the, the roughly what fifty million a year, something disgusting yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> something that makes me feel extremely heartbroken about my paychecks yeah. that I re- <laughs> that I bring in. But I agree there. Aaron Rodgers has he should be the MVP. They will they give it to him? We'll see. I mean, I think statistically, obviously, Mahomes, you watch him, he's having probably the best season. But in terms of most valuable to their team, I think it's Aaron Rodgers to the Packers. That's just the way I interpret most valuable. Gotcha. I gotcha. It makes sense. So those are our three NFL takeaways that we've taken in so far. And now we're going to transition to some little top ten mock draft kind of stuff. Uh, I kind of composed one. It's probably not really good, and I will probably be absolutely dead wrong. Maybe I'll get the first two picks right because I think those two are layups, but after that, it's <laughs> we'll the see fun. how it goes. I, uh, Pat, so I'm going to give off my top ten here, and then you're just going to either rip me a new one or <laughs> <laughs> see, just see what we got, all right? Yeah, definitely. So I think the first three picks are relatively easy, all right? Mm-hmm. I got Trevor Lawrence and want number one to the Jets. I think that's almost a guarantee. Definitely. I, ha- I then have Justin Fields to the Jaguars. Again, this is all contingent upon the current top top ten based off of their records. So Justin Fields to the Jags. I then have Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman out of Oregon to Cincinnati. All right, this is when I start to get a little interesting. For the L.A. Chargers, I have them taking Patrick Sertan, the cornerback out of Alabama. Mm -hmm. I then think Dallas is actually going to go tight end, so I think he's going to take Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Number six would be the Philadelphia Eagles. They are definitely taking a wide receiver. Uh, I actually think they're going to go with Jamar Chase out of LSU with the sixth pick. And then we're going to be – who's seven? I'm trying to get pull it up here. Carolina, I don't actually like uh, – what do we have here? Hold on, i got to pull it up. Uh, Carolina, I have them actually going D 
defensive linemen. So I have them going Kawiti Pei out of Michigan. I know many people are thinking Carolina's going quarterback, but I think they've realized that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons, number eight, Gregory Rousseau, defensive end out of Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins, Micah Parsons, a linebacker out of Penn State. And then to round out the top ten, I have the Denver Broncos selecting offensive lineman Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Yeah, that actually was a really good mock, man. I actually liked a lot of it. So I think the first four picks, like with the Chargers, I think that they should go cornerback. I think Sertan is a perfect fit. They need a shutdown guy on the outside. I see a lot of people through the rumors, though, taking the Chargers with Jamar Chase. I don't know. I have seen that, too. Like, I understand that, yeah, they would have three great receivers, but you need three number ones. Yeah, I feel like they need more on the defensive end to to compete. Their offense has looked awesome already the way it is. I can see why you would add Chase. He's definitely a top five player in this class. But I would need more defensive, like you said. Kyle Pitts to Dallas, that's definitely an interesting option there. I think offensively that would make them pretty much the juggernaut like the Kansas City Chiefs. I still think that they need to shore up that defense. If it's not – Sertan falling to them. Maybe they go Gregory Rousseau. Uh, I have him sometimes going to them. Uh, but I could see why Kyle Pitts is definitely intriguing there. Because Jerry loves all the flash, baby. That's why yeah, I went offense. He couldn't care less how bad that defense is. He hasn't drafted defense in forever. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, man. Um, but I, I so I see why you put him there. That definitely would make sense if they went that route. And then I agree with you with Carolina that they shouldn't draft a quarterback. I've been seeing a lot of people talk about them going after a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater has looked really good this year, and that team is missing their best offensive playmaker for pretty much the whole year in Christian McCaffrey. Don't go for the quarterback position. Continue to build around him. Potentially, if Kyle Pitts falls, that's a spot where I think Carolina could look at if they want to bring in Pitts. Or – Go defensive back again. Try to shore up that secondary. You always could use more secondary help. But I definitely think that going quarterback would not be the right option for Carolina. Yeah, I know a lot of them have him going, taking Zach Wilson out of BYU that high. I've seen a lot of mocks that have, I think they're really high on him. And I think Zach Wilson's a stud, but like, I think Carolina needs to figure out everything else first. You, you put your team around Christian McCaffrey, so that's why I went I – thought, I thought they would go defense in my D-line. Yeah, definitely agree with that logic. I think the quarterbacks, though, were really interesting this year. This is one of the things I wrote down. There are probably five or six guys that I could see being taken in the first round because of what we talked about before. Teams want those young, flashy quarterbacks to help them. I mean, you know Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields most likely will be one and two. Zach Wilson, like you said, I think he could go – potentially in that top 10. I don't know if the one-year wonder is going to hit him. He really has come on strong this past season. He's been uh, hurt a I lot, think, though, too. Yeah, I don't he's think been people hurt. figured out that he's he's got a lot of injury stuff on him, too. Mm-hmm. So, definitely, that Trey Lance, another name that I think could be really high. Oh, you're shaking your head. I, I, like, mean, uh, I mean, Trey Lance – He's not going to play a legit football game in two years. 
Mm-hmm. Think about that. That showcase game that he played against Central Arkansas was such a wash. That was absolutely useless, in my opinion. What was oh, the yeah, point? What was the I point? And he didn't play that well. If you really look at the game tape of that game, yes, he made all the plays in the fourth quarter for them to win that game. Mm-hmm. If you really watch that game closely, he didn't. He did not look like a first-round pick that everyone thought he was going to be because you've already seen Zach Wilson potentially jump him already. Mac Jones, I think we. I think he is probably the second best thrower of the football behind Trevor Lawrence at the out of this class. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really skyrocketed like how Burrow did last year with all the, I mean, it helps to have the best teams or playmakers around you with Alabama, yeah. but still, I think Mac, I mean, Trey Lance, I think, I think the the comparison of the North Dakota state of him and Carson Wentz is a little over a huge overreaction. Mm-hmm. I honestly, the, so I actually did a breakdown of Trey Lance for my website. I looked at that game tape, and here there was a lot of inconsistencies with this one game compared to last year. I talked about it, how that is probably going to be the biggest thing that hurts him. That we see, like you said, Kyle Trask, he's performing at a high level. Mac Jones, he's performing at a high level. Zach Wilson, I think that they could all jump him. I still think, though, that he has, like, the mobility, the arm strength, the accuracy that you like to see. But this game could hurt him. I still like to mention him in that first round just because I think a team could take a risk on him. He has that high ceiling. But I I agree. I think Mac Jones could pass him. He's a guy that lately I've been watching a lot of tape on, and I'm liking him more and more every single game. Yeah. I think a lot of the guys have really started to showcase themselves. Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, who you all thought were going to be late rounders, have really put themselves in that first mid to late first round conversation where you thought, mm-hmm. hey, these guys might be some a big solid backup. And now you're thinking about, hey, these guys could be our quarterback of the future. And I, I mean, I hope Trey Lance does well. But, like, every mock draft has him going to my Washington football team, and I can't <laughs> stand it. I really can't like, Oh, please. We cannot have another quarterback mishap. We need to, I mean, all right, I'm just going to rant real quick. Washington needs to go offensive line or defensive back. That's it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if they go any other way, I will be calling Dan Snyder, even though he won't pick up, I will be calling. What are you doing? <laughs> because yeah, man. I feel you, man. we cannot Washington have a Dwayne Haskins situation again. And Ron mm-hmm. Rivera's already publicly said that Dwayne Haskins is going to have a chance to win that job again. Because I personally think Alex Smith will probably be done. All right, that's it. But I swear, if we don't go defensive back or offensive line, I will lose it on draft night. I really will. <laughs> so that's just, again, I've, I've, been, I've, had, a, I've had a lot of pent-up energy oh. on Washington and this mock draft stuff as I was researching it this week. So I had to get hey. that out there. It's been tough for Washington, you know. I, Dwayne Haskins really – I don't know what happened with him. He looked good, but I, I don't know, man. I got a question for you, actually. Bring it. One of the big elephants of this draft is going to be teams potentially drafting a quarterback versus teams potentially trading away a quarterback, such yeah. as a Sam Darnold. I've seen Jimmy G's name out there. Carson Wentz, I think he stays in Philly, but obviously who knows what's happening with that team. 
What are your reactions for a team like Washington who may need a football team? Would you rather draft one or try to trade low for a guy like a Sam Darnold? You have to give up only a third or fourth round pick. I mean, I think Darnold's got all the tools to be a legit quarterback. I think for us, it's just more than anything. Uh, it's just, I think the issue with what we've done is that we haven't really taking guys that have the full on experience when we're taking guys out of the draft. Like, mm -hmm. let's see, let's just go back here. The only legit quarterback that had a lot of playing experience that we've taken in recent years was Kirk cousins as a mm -hmm. three to four year starter. RG three. Yes. He played three to four years, but he was injured two out of those seasons remotely, almost the whole season. And then you have Dwayne Dwayne Haskins has only had a, a one legitimate year of actual like competitive football, and then all Ohio State quarterbacks are great because all the wide receivers catch a three-yard crossing okay. pattern and they take it to the house. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think I think that's the issue. We haven't really taken guys that have experience. I will not touch touch Carson Wentz with a twenty-foot pole. I don't want him. I don't want mm -hmm. the money. We can't afford the money, so he'll, yeah. we won't bring him in. I think it'll be interesting whether or not we trade for someone like a potentially Sam Donald. I'm all for that. I know rumors about Josh Rosen trying to be moved. I mean, Josh Rosen's career is ultimately almost, I think, over, which is really yeah. sad. Because yeah, I thought really he had – I think he – I thought out of that class, he was the best quarterback who mm -hmm. was the most ready to play right away. So, yeah, I think – a tough situation. Yeah, so now he's now he's the Tampa Bay COVID quarterback to make sure that the, the their group, quarterback group goes down. He goes in and plays, but still, <laughs> I think Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in that class. I would take Sam Darnold. I think he's got tools. He's definitely regressed on Adam Gase, so he's gonna have to be worked on too. I think all the quarterbacks that we, that would be in trades right now are works in progress. A name that I wouldn't mind bringing in who's almost like an Alex Smith. If Alex Smith doesn't come back, I don't think he, I personally think Alex Smith, if we end up some, if Washington gets, makes the playoffs, he might just retire and call that as yeah. a, as a career right there is probably one of the greatest stories ever somehow mm -hmm. getting us to the playoffs. I wouldn't mind maybe trying to get Tyrod Taylor or some, someone like that, bring him in. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be a veteran presence like Alex Smith. He'll coach up. He, he'll coach up the younger quarterbacks. He's done that in the past. So I don't mind have, bringing him in. And you have the mobility aspect, especially with an offensive line like ours that's very depleted. So I think the Tyrod Taylor moves definitely a, a possibility. I mean, I'm trying to think of other veteran quarterbacks out there. I don't want Carson Wentz. I don't want Darnold. I mean, so right now I think – I would probably – we're going to probably end up sticking with Haskins. That's my main objective, I think. So, I think Haskins yeah. will end up being the guy because I think he'll get one more chance next year to prove that he's legit. Because from what I've been hearing, since Alex Smith has taken over the job and Dwayne's become the backup, he's really been take Alex took him under his wing to how to prepare, which has been – which was, I think what was in question with Dwayne this, coming into the season was trying to figure out his preparation – seeing the field correctly, all that different stuff. So taking the check down when you have to, don't force the ball when it's not needed to do. So I think that was his – I think that's what we're going to take. I think Dwayne will get one more shot. But I wouldn't mind maybe bringing in a, like a Tyrod Taylor kind, uh, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, it's, that's a good breakdown of that. Yeah. 
So that's what I got. What do you? All right, for your Patriots, same question. What do you think? If I'm a Patriots person looking at this draft, we need a wide receiver. I would not mind if Devontae Smith somehow fell to trade up for him potentially. I think quarterback – I the thing is I don't really think bringing in a quarterback right now is the best because we don't have anything around the quarterback position. Yeah. Any quarterback that comes in to me is going to struggle. We need to hit on a receiver. They showed a stat on the game yesterday where out of the list – 10 or so drafts, we only have two guys that we've drafted that are still in the NFL out of like 15. Yeah. That's a poor percentage. We need to hit on the guy that's right, who's ready, and I think that's Devontae Smith. That would be my number one target. Um, if we don't get Smith, maybe take a chance, move back a little on a Rashad Bateman. I think that he could be a true number one wide receiver in this league. He's a stud. I think the issue with him is that Minnesota's just stunk up the joint. Yeah. I think that if we pick around 10 to 15, it'll be a little bit high for him with, like what you said, his stock isn't really high high right now. If we can trade back, recoup some assets, then potentially – build up like our offensive line a little bit more. I'd like to see that built up a little bit more. But wide receiver is the position that we need and that I want to see tackled right away. Without a doubt. I couldn't agree more. You need weapons. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of skilled players at the moment. All right, so now we're transitioning to our final segment of the day. It's our my Friday edition of Lock It In, all right? You guys know how this works. I give you my top three college football picks and my top three NFL picks for the weekend. I know Pat has, has his own picks that, we're, that he's going to share as well. So I'm going to start it off, and we'll bounce back and forth and go from there. So first off, I have Colorado minus two and a half versus Utah. The Colorado Buffaloes ranked for the first time this season, depending on the polls, 20 or 21st. They're a legitimate chance if USC slips up this weekend to be the representatives in the Pac-12 South, and Colorado was picked by many people to be in the bottom of the barrel in the Pac-12 this year. They've been really impressive. From Utah, extreme inconsistency. They've blown a couple games where they've had leads, especially the Washington game where they were up 21-0, lost that game 24-21. So I like Colorado there, minus two and a half. That is my first lock. Go ahead, Pat. That was actually my first lock. So love it. I'm, we love it when we're always on the same page. We really covered pretty much everything. And I think, like you said, the big reason why, uh, why I am on the Colorado is because if they win this, they have a real chance to get to the Pac-12 championship. It's a good rivalry game. I think that the spread they could cover, I, I think they will win by at least a field goal. So Absolutely. I'm going with Buffalo. Love it. The Buffs. The Buffs. Go Buffs. Next one. I have Wake Forest plus one versus Louisville. This is a Louisville team that's been extremely inconsistent. Can't really play much defense. And this is a Wake Forest offense that can score in bunches. And on occasions, they put up 40-plus points on multiple games this season. You've seen the growth of the Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman. You've seen, you've seen him be able to throw the ball down the field. You've been able to see exploit defenses. And I just remember that North Carolina game where they, it was like 59 to 52. The game was absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Wake Forest is somehow an underdog here. I don't understand that. Take the Wake Forest, Demon Deacons. 
So I actually, one of the teams that I was looking at was not North Carolina to cover, but I like the over in that North Carolina-Miami game. It's at 67.5, which is a little high. But like you said, both teams, they score a lot. North Carolina, they're not great defensively. They give up a lot of points usually. They can score their high octane. I think both of these teams will be around the high 30s to low 40s. So I would look to do the over in that game. I like it. I like it. And my final pick uh, for today uh, is good for college football is Rice plus seven and a half versus Alabama Birmingham. If I know not many people think that a Rice team is to be betted on, but I don't know if you guys understood, but they've took down the undefeated 18th team in the country in the Marshall Thundering Herd, shut them out 20 to zero last week. They were absolutely dominant defensively. And I think, a UAB team that is coming off of a heartbreaking loss in double overtime to Louisiana Tech, you're going to see a Rice team be able to hang around. And I, they have a legitimate chance to actually win this game outright. But plus seven and a half is absolutely ridiculous. I don't, as a spread at the moment, take Rice plus seven and a half. So those are my three college football picks. Yeah, it's very good. So I didn't have a third one, but I'm just going to throw it out. I'll take Coastal Carolina. I think that this is the team that needs to keep winning. Yeah, I think that they played a really good game, obviously, last week. They got the committee's attention. Now you just got to keep pouring it on and win as big as you can. So take Coastal Carolina against Troy. I don't really know much about Troy, but it seems like a good pick at minus 13. I think that's a great pick. Great (laughs) pick. Troy has stunk it up this year. All right, to, to the NFL, my first pick. I got the Houston Texans minus one versus Chicago. Why? Because Deshaun Watson plays on one side and Mitchell Trubisky plays on the other side. That's just about enough for that one. And Chicago's defense was really exploited last week. So you might actually see, you might see Houston put up some points. And even though they don't have Will Fuller, they have weapons on the outside. And Deshaun Watson is an absolute stud. And he really has put up in MVP-like numbers this year on a team that has been absolutely awful. So I like Houston minus one as my first one. So I'm going to go with the Saints on the road. They're laying a touchdown. I think, though, with Jalen Hurts coming into this game, this defense has looked really good. I think that the defense gets after him a little, potentially forces him into a few mistakes. Taysom Hill, he's looked good the past few games a little bit here and there with his rushing ability. Passing, he's kind of iffy on and off, but I think that this team can run the ball down Philadelphia and score enough to where they lean on the defense and they could cover that spread. Absolutely. That was actually my second lock. So we're already two for two on being on the same page. And this is a game that will that will get ugly. This is a game where New Orleans could win by like – 20 plus points easily it could even get into the 30s like Jalen Hurts you're in for a long day my friend I am so sorry that the Eagles organization threw you into the gauntlet like this and all I can say is I hope that he actually gets this only start because I, I I believe my six and a half is an easy lock I hope he just plays more the, they get they give him more opportunities the rest of the way because you're not going to be able to judge him at all based off of this one start so that's yeah, my definitely. other. So I agree with you on the Saints. You got another one, Pat? 
it's definitely a tough spot for Jalen Hurts. I'm actually looking at Tennessee. This part is kind of a little bit bigger going on the road, minus 7.5. But coming off of that brutal first-half performance last week, they're going against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they give up a lot of yards through the air. I think Tannehill can have a really good day passing. I think they lean on Derrick Henry. I think that they need this game to really make a statement to stay in the AFC. I think that they could win by at least 10 to 14 points in this game. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad look. But you also have to factor in Jacksonville has covered their last three games, so you yeah. have to factor that in as well. I like the, yeah. I like the pick. I would, I would definitely, if I had to choose, I would have went Tennessee. But just Jacksonville's sneaky, and yet they've got a stud in James Robinson out there, and and oh, the yeah, running back. Big time. And then player. my, yep, yeah, absolutely. My final pick is Atlanta minus two and a half versus the LA Chargers. Yes, there was news that Julio will not play this weekend. But so that means you better pick up Calvin Ridley and start him right away because he's going to have a huge field day. And the Pats, New England Patriots, put beat the Chargers forty-five to zero. So I think the Atlanta Falcons can cover two and a half. And that Chargers defense has been really bad this year. But this will get this game. I think is going to be a very high octane game. You're going to see both quarterbacks excel, Justin Herbert and Matt Ryan. But I think Atlanta can easily cover two and a half. I think they'll win by probably a touchdown. That's my final lock. My last one, I'm going to look towards the Monday night game, but I'm going to look towards the under. It seems kind of high at 47. Both of these teams defensively, they've had really good games where they've held opponents to really good yardage and less than 10 points here and there. Uh, I think this this is the type of game being on a Monday night rivalry where you're going to see that pass rush get after the quarterback. You're going to see the defenses really clamp down. I could see this game going that total of uh, under 47. I like it. So those are our lock it in picks. So Pat gave you six. I gave you six. We agreed on two of them. So those are two definite locks to put in. And so I want to thank Pat for coming on again. Go look out for the football therapist on Instagram, Twitter. He's got his own website as well, where he puts out all the content for fantasy football, as well as dropping breaking news. It's going on. Pat, thanks for coming on to final whistle. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, and thank you for having me, man. This was really fun. Um, for those who are watching, hit that subscribe button. I've been watching some of his other videos. He had a, a lot of good ones recently, so definitely keep following him. And I, I look forward to potentially doing this in the future. Definitely. We can definitely set up another time for you to come on, my man. Well, that's, that wraps up our Friday edition of Final Whistle. Have a great weekend, everyone. Look out for another episode on Tuesday.